0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: We like to call it the Saturday Get-Together here on CBS Sports Radio. You get me, Jody Mac, every Saturday, late afternoon, early evening, into the night here if you're on the East Coast, depending on where you're listening to us, where your fine affiliate is. Thanks for tuning in. If you're listening on the Radio.com app, thanks for that. Uh, if you missed out on the interview I did earlier with Matt Derrick on the Kansas City Chiefs, you can always get that on the Rewind feature on the Radio.com app. Um, you're tuned now if there's something that was said that you can't believe and go back and listen to it afterwards. The interview we're going to do uh, coming up right now, and that would be with uh, NBA writer at NBC Sports, Mr. Kurt Heelan. How you doing, Kurt? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Uh, NBA trade trade deadline, just an overall thought. And when I say deadline, that includes like, let's say, a week prior to leading up to the deadline. Uh, What was your overall thought on the NBA's trade deadline and how much effect do you think it'll have on the rest of the season and the playoffs?
0: It was busier than I expected. We'd heard for a long time that oh, there's not going to be, there's not enough sellers. Nobody has any money. Not much is going to happen. And then, really, you know, after after Kobe's kind of tragic death, uh, that kind of after Kobe's tragic death, like for a week, nobody was really talking about trades. That 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 almost seemed trivial, right? So like, once the it, the deadline started to come around and things started to open up, it was suddenly like, wow! It just the, it came on fast and hard. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I thought Minnesota had a really good um, run. I thought Atlanta did some good stuff, but I think in the short term, the most interesting one is Houston. I mean, they just went all in on small ball. They are, you know, they are all in on on that style of play. And I'm not, uh, I'm not sure if it's going to work, but it's going to be interesting.
1: All right, and uh, since you went to uh, Houston, we'll start there. Robert Covington was yeah. traded and immediately showed up in the lineup and started draining threes for the Rockets. Other guys who got dealt still haven't played for their new teams. And I understand Covington went out of his way to get on two different planes to get their ASAP. I know that there are certain allowances in the collective bargaining agreement between the players in the league. You have X amount of hours before you're obligated to show up. Should we just tip our hat to Robert Covington and give him that much extra credit for working as hard to join his new mates? Or uh, should we be questioning whether this is something that needs to be looked at going forward by the NBA? Because, as I said, some teams played shorthanded these last couple of days because they made trades, and the guys just didn't get to their new teams quickly.
0: Yeah. Robert Covington got traded from a team that had lost at the time 12 games in a row in the coldest city in the NBA to Houston, a nice warm city and a team that's a contender. It's like, yeah, he made a real effort to get his butt there and start playing. That's a, that's an upgrade for him. Um, he was one of the big winners in this thing. Um, it's an interesting question, but I, 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 think in general, you know, you've got, I think it was 40, 48, 72 hours. Forget what the exact deadline is. And you've got to pass the physical. Um, he just, he just made a point of doing it fast and they needed to get him out there. they, They've gone small, but part of the bet on them going small is being able to defend on the perimeter with smaller guys, and Covington's a key part of that for them. They need, yeah, they need him to drain some threes, and I know it was, what, four of seven or whatever it was in the first game, but more importantly, they also need him to be a wing defender because in the West, with, you know, I don't know, LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and a few others, you you might need some good wing defense.
1: Understood and agreed, and I watched Covington play for years with the 76ers. He's a very good wing defender, yeah, uh, so they will get that out of him. Who's going to cover if the Lakers are playing the Rockets in the postseason? Who's going to get the assignment on AD? That becomes the
0: problem, and the Lakers, I think the Clippers would agree as well, but the Lakers in particular would be a, a real problem for Houston because of the Lakers' length. I don't... It's really tough to describe because you don't think. Well, well I guess they do have a traditional center in, in Javale McGee and, and Dwight Howard that they roll out. But I mean, they roll out a front line with with you know Javale or Dwight, Anthony Davis and LeBron James at six nine across the front. They're huge. They are a big, long, athletic team. And the same with the backcourt, they tend to be big. They're they're long and athletic. And they're and coaches who play against them, that's one of the first things out of their mouth. It's just, it's it's hard to play against a team this big. And the Clippers do that to a, to a degree as well. They're not quite as big, but they are, you know, long and rangy. Um, and it's going to be interesting with Houston. I mean, even if they go up against, I don't know, Utah, Rudy Gobert. How are you dealing with that? Right. I mean, Rudy Gobert is not the greatest offensive player ever, but if you let him lay the ball in all the time, he's going to score a lot. So it's, it's – I, I love them in the regular season. I like that they went all in on this. I like the fact that, by the way, Mike D'Antoni, a lame duck coach, He's going to leave on his own terms, man. He's going to. We're going to go small and go all in. I love all that, but I don't. I love it as a regular season system. I just in the playoffs. I just not sure how well that works.
1: NBCSports.com NBA Insider Kurt Hill and our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. Um... See, if you – what you were hearing is the same thing I was hearing, that the Lakers were actually uh, willing to talk about Kyle Kuzma in a deal, but it had to be a bigger deal than, say, a Marcus Morris, that that was what uh, the Knicks were asking for and the Lakers weren't willing to go there. They were willing to take the package that they got from the Clippers – I know that it hasn't been a perfect fit for starting last year into this year, um, but it gets restarted when Anthony Davis uh, arrives. Uh, A perfect fit out there in L.A. between LeBron and A.D. and Kuzma, but I'm still a huge Kuzma fan. I think the Lakers may actually luck into a better team by not trading Kuzma than if they had. Did you hear the same things I was hearing that the Lakers wouldn't give up Kuzma unless it was a blockbuster-type deal?
0: Well, they needed something back better than Kuzma, and that was going to be really hard to pull off because he only makes $2 million. So you get to somebody like Marcus Morris, and the, you know, to make those numbers work, you've got to put in, it's not just Kyle Kuzma, and you're like, maybe Marcus Morris is a better fit and you can talk yourself into it. But then it becomes Marcus, to make the numbers work, it's Marcus Morris and Danny Green, or Marcus Morris and Avery Bradley, and you know the dead the dead weight of Demarcus Cousins and whatever. But suddenly, like those are t- now you're giving up two key rotation players to get Morris, and that's not enough. Like Kuzma does bring value, he does get you buckets, and, and now you've got to give up somebody, something with him, and maybe a pick or something to try to make this work. That was just way too much. So the Lakers, they they, they had to dangle Kuzma because he's their only real trade piece it was always unlikely that they move him in part because they do like him and he's a fan favorite, but in part because it making, you know, only $2 million, but in the grand scheme of $2 million in the NBA, that's just not enough salary to bring back somebody as good as him. He makes less money than, than Alice Caruso. Like it's just going to be really Mm -hmm. hard to move him. Uh,
1: How much does the addition of Marcus Morris improve the uh, Clippers? I
0: I like, I like that pickup for them. Um, Look, they're going to start him. Look, their ideal starting five now is Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris, and Zubach to start, and then and with that group, uh, you know, Montrose Harrell probably finishes. But what that group gives you is incredible versatility for switching, incredible defensive, like, hey, we can assign this guy here and this guy there and switch stuff around as the game goes on to, you know, keep Kawhi Leonard fresh and then turn him loose on your best player, um, you know, in the key moments. And then offensively, they're just so versatile. Remember, they're bringing Montrezl Harrell and, and Luke Williams off the bench. It just They can beat you a lot of different ways. And in the playoffs, those are the most dangerous kinds of teams, the teams with the versatility to attack you in a variety of ways.
1: Over the Eastern Conference, 76ers add a couple shooters they bring in from Golden State, Burks and Glenn Robinson, both having their best seasons ever from behind the three-point arc. And the Sixers don't make enough threes, so it's an understandable deal. The question that Sixer fans want to know, is it enough to improve this team to get them out of the bottom half of the playoff teams? They moved into fifth last night, but they're still in the bottom half, which means three road series if you're going to make it to a uh, an NBA final does the addition of Burks and uh, Big Dog 3 do enough for the Sixers?
0: I don't know. I don't know that it does. I mean, like you said, they desperately they, – they could use more shooting. And more than that, didn't, it, didn't they just feel like a team that needed to be shaken up? I mean, I, I'm generally not that vague about things. Like, oh, you've got to add this or that. But in that case, that team just – they struck me as a team that needed to be jarred a little bit and, and put into a, in situations where um, – or, or bring in some people who could – Change the dynamic there because it just it needed it and so maybe this does that maybe that's enough like you said they just they, their bench shooting got better I don't know that it gets them near the Bucks right now and I'm a guy who before the season thought they you know I thought I picked them to come out of the East and I you know I'm going to be well, I think I'm going to be wrong about that Well the Bucks are just a vastly superior team but I'm not sure that they can get by you know Toronto Miami Boston right now and I'm not sure what changes that other than Get
1: to play Embiid more. Man, we'll see if Embiid is up for the challenge. Uh, Miami played kind of all in, getting Andre Iguodala. Yeah. uh And I'm an Iguodala fan. Watch him play in Philly and know what he did for Golden State and got an MVP of the NBA Finals coming up the bench one year. Uh, but he is in his thirties and he has sat a half a season. And he not only gave up what they had to do to get him, but they tacked on two more years on a contract extension when he basically said, yeah, I don't want to play for Memphis. I'll sit home for however many months it was before the trade deadline. Um, bad precedent set by the NBA here that a guy who doesn't like where he's dealt just says, that's OK. I know I got a contract. I'm not coming. I'll sit home. You'll trade me eventually.
0: That was a mutual agreement, though, so it doesn't it doesn't bother me as much. They didn't want him in there uh, with. In an ideal world, he would have been there as a mentor for you know John Morant and Jared Jackson Jr. and the really nice young core they're building in in um, in Memphis. But he didn't want to be there, and they didn't want that influence. You know, if he doesn't want to be there, they don't want that influence around their guys. So it was a mutually agreed upon thing. It got a little weird at the end, but you know. Iguodala, even if you've got him on your team, and, and, and Golden State had to do this a lot last year, you've just got to rest him a lot. Like he's just reached that point in his career with his body that you know he can't play eighty-two and then and then and then a playoff series or two. So um, it doesn't bother me that much that he sat out. Uh, I'm su- the second year of that thing is a team option, and I, I we'll see. I'd be surprised if that gets picked up, but. Maybe we'll see. I don't know how much that moves the needle for them. I do think it makes them that shake Crowder by the way, don't sleep on shake Crowder. Um, that makes Miami better, but I don't think it makes them a threat to Milwaukee right now.
1: Fair enough. Um, All-star game coming up soon. Did you watch the proceedings on Thursday night on TNT?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I watched it. It was – look, as much as this one wasn't as much fun as last year when it was kind of new and, then, and they, they made a trade – You know, um, where they had the trade of uh, Ben Simmons to get him on on LeBron's team and all that, so it wasn't quite as dramatic. But you know what? This playground style, joking around, picking guys thing, still a lot more entertaining (laughs) than East versus West or USA versus the World or whatever other concept they come up with. This was, this is at least kind of fun and entertaining. And I know that they're, it's a radically different um, system they're using for the All Star Game, you know, scoring wise this year, but. Honestly, that game's the game itself. I mean, I love the hype and I love watching all these guys and all this skill and talent on the floor. But the game itself's just been boring. Like, yeah, it's just boring. So, so you know what? I don't. Is this going to work? I don't know. But at least they're trying something.
1: Understood. And I'm with you. Uh, anything, switch it up, make it a little different, give us a different perspective. I'm down with trying anything. But yeah. I was watching Thursday night. Did you really buy that? it just so happens that LeBron got all five of the Western Conference starters and Giannis got all five of the Eastern <laughs> Conference. Did that's exactly the way they evaluated the players, or did somebody get in the captain's ear and go, yeah, take your West guys, take your East guys?
0: You know, that's funny. I didn't. I, I hadn't really thought that through for a second, but you're right. Um, that's, I mean, obviously AD was going to go first with LeBron. He was going to choose Davis. Right. That, that can't you can't like, blame him. Joel would be like, I get, I get that part of it. But you're right. That's really interesting that they went that route, um, the East versus West starters. So that's, I hadn't noticed that, but that's, um, (laughs) I, I,
1: Uh, I, here's, here's the test, but I don't know. man. Here's the test for me, Kurt. I'll put you in the uh, spot. You're Giannis Antetokounmpo. LeBron James takes Anthony Davis, much as you suspected. You taking Joel Embiid or Kawhi Leonard?
0: That's a really good point because I would take Kawhi at a heart. Yeah. Uh, personally. Now, I get it. I get he's, you know, he made the effort, Afri- you know, yeah, I want to take my buddy from Africa. Like, it, as Charles said, like 47 times during that broadcast, it's not like you're making a bad choice, but you're right, man. I'd take Kawhi. It's like I'm going to take the guy who might be able If you're going to make this thing tight down the end, I would like the guy who might actually be able to guard LeBron.
1: Yeah, that would be my—so that's the only thing I didn't like about it. Other than that, I thought it was great. I thought it was fun, and Charles and those guys jumping in was fun, too. Uh, And, yes, I'm be looking forward to the uh, all-star game because of uh, the different ways they're going to go about it. Uh, so when we put the All Star game in the rear view mirror and the uh, trade deadline is coming, gone, we're already jumping into the buyout market here. Uh, Charlotte yeah. is clearing out some players that they think are dead wood, and uh, there may be some quick activity. Apparently, the Bucks are interested in uh, the, the former. O- i Marvin Williams. Yeah, Marvin Williams. By
0: the, by the way, that's not. Look, you know what? A lot, most of these guys, unless there's something that comes through, Marvin Williams comes into the Bucks. Provides some shooting, provides some veteran depth. He's still a quality. of 15 years in. He's a quality role player. What he can do for them is, and he plays the four. So you can you can rest Chris Middleton more down the stretch because I can give Marvin Williams solid minutes, and I don't care if I don't win all these games. Like if I can just win enough to keep my number one seed, then I'm good. Then I'm then it's all you know. It's all great. So that's what it is. I don't think any of these guys, Marvin Williams or or Michael Carter Williams or any of them are going to have big big playoff roles. But if you can rest the the guys that actually matter down the stretch so they're fresher, that's all you need, man.
1: Is there a name we're missing yet that I haven't seen or uh, you haven't reported or anybody else hasn't reported who is going to come out of nowhere, get a buyout, and actually be able to make a difference on another team?
0: I don't know that there's a big – buyout name coming. The biggest name coming is the unretirement. I don't even know if, if, you, if you're gone for half a year or is it call it a retirement, but the pseudo unretirement, if you will, of Darren Collison. I mean, Darren Collison's a quality starting NBA point guard who's – I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb since he was sitting with Jimmy Buss and say he's going to sign with the Lakers. i on that limb. Damn,
1: you're that, good at that, you're, you're you're good at getting to the bottom of these stories, healing. Yeah. that's a <laughs> tremendous amount of reporting by you. Yeah, uh,
0: um, but he's an upgrade over Rajon Rondo in terms of like he's a catch and shoot guy. I think he's just a better fit next to LeBron. Um, he's a, at this point in their careers, he's a slightly better defender. Uh, like it's just an upgrade, um, and those are minutes. You know, Rondo will still get minutes, but you can you can you get a little more depth. So I. That's probably the biggest one going to a big team um, because he will actually get playoff minutes. Um, I'm not sure if anybody else getting bought out really changes the dynamic that much. If if there's a center that comes up, it would really help Boston, but we'll we'll see if that actually happens.
1: Fair enough. All right, we only got 30 seconds left here, and you feel free to uh, change your mind down the road, but I'm asking you today the MVP of the NBA at the end of the season is? Giannis
0: Antetokounmpo. I. I, I, right now he's in the lead, and I'm just not sh- Harden slumped off a little bit. I'm not sure who catches him. LeBron, maybe. Um, Doncic has missed too much time now, so LeBron maybe slides up. But everybody's chasing Giannis
1: and, and his second one right now. I agree. Yeah, it's a two horse race. It's either Giannis, or LeBron, and the last 25 games will and should decide it. Kurt, great yeah. stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. Thanks for hopping on with us tonight.
0: I look forward to it. Thanks for having me on.
1: My pleasure. Kurt Heelan, NBCSports.com, outstanding.